0: If you can open up Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. Daniel is prophesying and he's talking about a future event and he says, he, and by he he means the king of the north, he says, he will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant but the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. And another interpretation says, but the people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. The people who know their God, I genuinely sense an urgency, and I believe most of you as well, sense an urgency that something is happening in the world we live in. Something, for lack of better terms, but it's been overused so much, unprecedented. Something that we have not seen in the generation that we live in before. And... You can't even put your finger on it. It's not one thing. It's not just COVID. It's not just the outcome of an election. It's not, uh, you know, the financial situation. It seems like the earth is shifting. The good news is the Bible's talked about all of this. And this shouldn't surprise us. But what it needs to do is it needs to sober us. It needs to awaken us. It needs to inspire us. It needs to ground us. It needs to root us. And Daniel prophesies about a northern king, a king of the north, who does all these evil things. And it says that he will lead many people away with him. But those who know their God will be strong and will resist them. Those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. And I recognize with a sense of urgency that the world around me needs to see people who know their God. The world around me needs to meet people who know their God. The world around me needs to see me, a person who knows his God, who's not willing to crumble, who's not willing to bow down to whatever the world does, but is willing to stand and know his God. You know, this is not the first time in history of the world where Christians needed to rise up like never before. History has had so many big events, so many different things that have gone through history, where Christians that knew their God, they were strong, and they resisted what was happening, and they did great exploits. And because of their sacrifices, because of their knowledge of their God, because of the strength that God put into those people, we have the privilege of knowing the truth of the gospel. Because God used those people to pass on what he was doing in their generation to the next, God continues, and he says, I have a remnant. You know, when, when Elijah said, I'm, I'm last, God. God. I'm last, and he was a man who knew his God, and God revealed it to Elijah. He said, listen, Elijah, there are this many people that have not bowed to Baal. You're not last. I have a remnant, and I believe that today is a challenge for the church worldwide. It's not just nationwide in America, but worldwide to come to a point where we recognize that nothing else matters in our life except to know our God. Nothing else is as vital, as crucial, but to know our God, and as we examine that today. I'm not going to reveal anything new to you. I really actually titled the message, Back to the Basics. Because it's not, I won't have a single key that's this nugget and that say, Oh, now that I got that, I know my God. It's everything we already know. But it's everything that the devil tries so hard to make seem ordinary. Things like prayer. Things like the Word of God. Things like fellowship. Like faith. These things are the very things that the first church, when it was established in the book of Acts, devoted itself to. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this is right after the coming of the Holy Spirit. There is a huge revival in Jerusalem. A church is formed and it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I just wanna spend the next 30 minutes examining our lives, allowing us to examine where we're at with knowing God. Where, we're at, where am I at personally in this, this message as I was preparing, I was checking myself. Where am I at with the simple things? Where am I at with the basics in my life? Where does God find me faithful in the basic things that he has set before me? I really liked what Reuben shared, just that simplicity Simplicity of giving because it says to give. Of honoring your parents because it says to honor. You know, as we look at the first church, the four traits that I want to discuss, the first one of them, and this is in no particular order, but the first one of them is prayer. For me to know my God, prayer is essential in my life. Prayer is essential in the life of a believer. Two weeks ago, we had Andre Mazalevsky here visiting us and he spoke a message and one of the things that really struck me and stood out for me is when he talked about the price for, for following Jesus and the price is not prayer. And it's it's a key thing to remember. I think it's a delusion when people say that the price to be a Christian is prayer and reading the word. That's not the price, that's the benefit. That's not the price, that's the pleasure. The the price is not prayer. Prayer is a pleasure, but it is a pleasure that we need to partake in. See, the Bible speaks so much about prayer. We can spend weeks talking about just prayer alone. But shortly, I'll read a few uh, uh, scriptures. One says in Colossians chapter 4, it says, Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I want to remind you that the solution to anxiety is not a pill. It's prayer. The solution to fear is not pills. It's prayer. It's not a social work. It's prayer. It's not an elected official. It's prayer. Prayer uh, is a vital, vital aspect and it's something that needs to be present in my life and it needs to come to the point of pleasure. It needs to come to the point of of yearning where going through a day without prayer becomes uncomfortable. In First John, John the apostle of love, he says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Do we genuinely believe that? Do we believe that when we stand on our knees that the king of kings and the lord of lords, the creator of the universe meets us right in that place? That is what prayer really is. Prayer is not a, not a, a shopping list of requests and it's not a shopping list of needs to God. But prayer is a point of contact between me and my creator. Between me and the one who loves me. Between me and the one who's pleased when I come to him. He wants this time more than we do. And those who've discovered who's in the room when they're praying, for them prayer becomes so necessary. I don't remember exactly if it was uh, Smith Wigglesworth, but one of the pillars of faith, as they might be called, said, I don't go uh, I don't pray more than 15 minutes, but I don't go more than 15 minutes without prayer. He said, I don't pray more than 15 minutes, but I don't go more than 15 minutes without prayer. And it just reflects a life of prayer, that, that life of consistent prayer, that consistent need to spend time in His presence. You know, whenever you find yourself bored in prayer, you just don't realize who's in the room. Whenever we find ourselves bored in prayer, and I'm saying this because I, I discovered myself there sometimes. Where you find yourself looking at the clock, looking at the time. Is it, You know, I, I just got 15 more minutes and then I can go do my stuff. The reason that happens in my life is because in that moment, I don't recognize who's in that room. I don't recognize who came to speak to me. I don't recognize who came to spend time with me. Prayer. Without prayer, there's no way we can stand and know who our God is. We need prayer in our life. Um, in Proverbs Chapter 15, the second part of verse 8, it says, He delights in the prayer of the upright. He delights in the prayer of the upright. You see, when I come to prayer, and I might be bored, and I might be tired, He, on the other hand, delights in the prayer of the upright. And when I discover that, when that becomes a revelation rather than a knowledge, prayer becomes an anointing oil to me. Prayer becomes something I don't want to leave Prayer becomes those nights of prayer that we've spent plenty of times and I know you've discovered yourself in the moment where on the opposite side, you're not looking at your watch but you look and it's been two hours and you don't know where the time has gone because you recognize that your Savior was right there with you. And it doesn't matter the the requests you made or didn't make, just time in His presence will bring you to a point of knowing your God. The second thing that the first church devoted themselves to is the teaching of the apostles or in other words the Word of God. The devil comes to tempt Jesus and he tells him, hey you're hungry, you're the Son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Some of us if we had that power we'd have turned them into donuts. But Jesus responds to him and he says, no the scripture says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. To know my God, I must be fed by His word. For us to know our God, we must be fed by His word. What am I feeding myself? Today, like never before, we have access to any type of junk food you want. And I'm not talking about physical food. I'm talking about media. I'm talking about news. I'm talking about events in the world. I'm walking in the street and my phone buzzes when there's a volcano eruption halfway across the world. I'm walking down the street and my phone buzzes when something happens on the other side of the nation. We are fed constantly. But Jesus found himself secluded many times, spending time with the Father. And that's why Jesus was able to look at the devil and say, no, bread will not feed me. The word of God will. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father's mouth. What is feeding my life? I discovered myself starting to feel overwhelmed in December. You know, before all this electoral stuff, you just, you just pick an Instagram page, and you just go wild. You can watch videos for days about the other side or the side that you're not with, and what's happening and what's not happening. And I, I sat there one morning like, "What am I doing? I can't even read the Word of God after this because I'm thinking about the video I just saw." And I told myself, "You know what? I'm just gonna put this nasty thing away for a month, and we're not gonna look at nothing for a month." And that month now turned into two months. And it's, it's something that starts to relieve you and you start to recognize, you know what? That junk is genuinely junk food. And then I'm not, I don't want, just even like Andre shared, then the good food is presented to you and you say, I'm kind of full. I don't even know where to put it. My mind's already filled with everything. But we as believers, we need to recognize that we are in need of the Word of God and His revelation. The Word of God is not just here to be read for the sake of reading, but the Word of God. Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, All Scripture is inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Come on. The Word of God is capable of teaching us what is wrong in our lives. We need to discover what's wrong in our lives. See, very often I find myself using the Word of God to discover what's wrong in your life, in your life, in your life. But the word of God is useful to discover what's wrong in my life. The word of God needs to serve as a mirror. The word of God needs to become the authority in my life. As Paul's writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor, he says God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. David talks and he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. What is lighting up the path before me? What is the hue of light? Do you realize that you can turn on different light and see different things? You can turn on a a black light and you can see things that you wouldn't have seen with white light. In the same way, David recognized that to see the right things before him, he needs the Word of God to illuminate that. We need to allow the Word of God to illuminate my life. Every time we start to feel frustrations, every time we start to feel dissatisfaction, we typically find ourselves really, really good At finding excuses for us maybe I'm alone in this but I'm really good at making excuses I am really good at making excuses I'm an expert but not for anyone else just for me because I'm going through this because this is difficult for me because my day was like this because I went through this but I have no mercy for the person that acts differently towards me I say how dare you you see the Word of God it's a mirror and it starts to discredit the excuses. And when you allow the Word of God to really be the authority in your life, those excuses start to bother you and you start to recognize, this is nothing more than an excuse. This has to change in my life and I can't allow it to remain. The Word of God is a necessary aspect to me knowing God. The Word of God needs to become the authority. When we find situations in our life where we, where we come against an impassable situation, And it's the Word of God versus my character. Are we humble enough to say no to me and say yes to the Word? Are we willing to surrender ourselves and put ourselves on the altar of the Word and allow the Word to actually pick at it? Because the Word of God is compared to a sharp double-edged sword and says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it says it goes in and it divides even the intentions. Are we willing to lay on the surgery table of the Word of God? Are we willing to allow Jesus to do the work that he wants to do in us by allowing this word not just to be a morning read, but allowing it to be the law in my life, allowing it to be the authority in my life, allowing it to be the lamp to my feet that says, that's the wrong place to go and that's the right place to go. That's the wrong reaction. That's the right reaction. Those are the wrong words and those are the right words. I really, really, really sense that If the church is gonna accomplish anything today for God, these basics need to become realities. These basics need to be foundation. The Word of God uh, shows us where Jesus says a story about two builders. One's building a house on the rock and one's building a house on the sand. You see, both homes looked very similar before the rain hit. So we can build our lives that look right, but when the basics are compromised, It's only a matter of time until the storm destroys it. It's only a matter of time until we find ourselves discouraged, until we find ourselves beaten. The third basic that I see in the first church is their faith and their gratitude to God. Scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. These basics, they're really intertwined. You can't have one but not the other. They only come to pass when you have the whole bouquet. When you have all the ingredients, can you only finally taste and see that the Lord is good. You need all of these basics. And and faith, it comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. It comes by the Word of God becoming a reality in our life. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, it says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. For anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It is impossible to please God. Anybody here wanna please God with their life? I wanna please God with my life. I want to please God. I want to find my, my heavenly father pleased with my life. But it tells me clearly that it's impossible to do it without faith because I need to believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. A little over two weeks ago, uh, Slavic shared a message by by a pastor named David Gibbs. He's a Baptist pastor and um, he shares a testimony of his mom who in the 50s, already as an adult, she's had two kids at the time. David was eight years old at this point. She goes through suffering polio uh, spinal meningitis. I had to even look it up. I wasn't exactly sure what that is, but it is a very debilitating disease that is um, extremely painful, it can be passed on, um, and it totally contorted this woman into complete lack of ability of any kind of motion. Her name was, uh, I believe, Pearl Gibbs, And this is in the 50s and she loses complete control of her body and so she can't move her neck let alone her arms and legs and she's going through extreme difficulties and I'm not gonna tell you the whole testimony you can look it up and and watch I definitely encourage it but something that struck me in his testimony was his mom's faith in God as she discovers herself in that terrible situation she he discovers that his mom is praying for a simple thing God what can I do for you That really struck me that struck me that a person that's going through polio spinal meningitis that would be completely justified to pray for healing and we would join them in that prayer is praying God what can I do for you and through the testimony you discovered that she was a firm believer that her God does all things for good all things for good And she believed very clearly that her God is almighty. And he can use somebody with polio spinal meningitis. He can use somebody that can't do anything with their own life. But somebody that's willing to do something for God. Do we believe who our God is? Do we believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? Do we believe that he does all things for good? Do we believe that he truly stands on the throne? Because when we believe that, our life starts to look very different. Our faith starts to ignite people around us. We're willing to do things we weren't willing to do on our own. And faith is very tied into gratitude. Faith comes through gratitude. It comes through uh, our willingness to thank the Lord. Our willingness to thank Him for who He is. Even in the difficulties. You see, I think a fallacy is that faith is reflected in lack of problems. I'll say that again. I think it's a fallacy to believe that faith is displayed when there are no problems in your life. I believed so much that God took care of everything. Because I see time and time and time again as I read the Word of God. Men of faith, women of faith who had more problems than I'd like. Who had more difficulties than I'd like to go through. But their faith never quaked because they knew that their God works all things for the good. That no matter what they go through, their God is on their side. No matter what the devil has put before them, they will walk through it. They will overcome and they will come out victorious on the other side. We sang today and in the words that we sang, it said, let our passion bring you fame. Our passion will only bring him fame when our faith is solidified in who he is. Our passion will only bring him fame because otherwise... I fall back into my own capabilities. As Alex shared, you know, when you go through a frustration like somebody's selling you a bad phone, you start to say, man, you know what? I'm gonna find you. I know where you live. I prayed for you, but I know where you live. Or you can surrender yourself to the word of God and say, no, I believe my God and I don't have to do this on my own. I don't have to take this into my own hands. When somebody cheats you in business or somebody does something wrong to you, you don't have to do it on your own. And I think that's the the key, is fellowship. That's where we discover where I'm at. You see, I can never know what's inside of me until it's squeezed out. You won't know. It's really, really easy to be a believer on an uninhabited island, where it's you and the palm trees. It's easy. It's easy to be Christian. Because nobody's frustrating you and even then if you watch castaway even then you get frustrated. You got a volleyball that frustrates you We are created in a way Where interaction brings the true colors out Come on those of you who are married You know When you're dating you got the best ability to put on man. I was a good guy when I was dating No wonder Tanya married me jokes on her But when you're dating you can put on your best foot forward you you know man when young people fall in love oh my goodness that person mm, i just they're perfect but then when it comes to -to day-to-day you start to see the true colors i just had a discussion recently with a gentleman he was telling me how he doesn't want to go to church because people are hypocrites and because people are you know cheating the government and not paying their taxes and all that stuff's bad, and I totally agree with him. That's horrible. People need to be paying taxes, especially at church. That's it's it's a need, it's a must. Biden needs it, um, but <laughs> but you know, even though that's true, even though that's true, that it's wrong to do these things. As I was talking to him, I I, I just told him, hey, but do you realize that the only one that's hurting is you? Because the devil, he's doing the bad things in their life, and that's horrible. But he's also poisoning you just with your inability to fellowship with people. Because when I'm alone, I think I'm a good Christian. When I'm alone, I think I'm strong. John writes in chapter 1 verse 7, he says, But if we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, His Son cleanses us from all sin. When we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And we need the blood of Jesus to continue to cleanse us from our sin. We need the blood of Jesus to continue to change us. You see, without you, I don't know who I am. As you look around the people sitting next to you, they're the very channels that you will come to know God through. Your kids, your husband, your wife, person sitting next to you, people in your life group. When you get together on a weekly basis, You get to discover somebody's strengths, somebody's weaknesses, somebody inspires you, somebody challenges you, somebody may even hurt you. But only through those things do you start to discover who you really are. And you start to discover how much do I know my God? How much do I act like my God? My wife and I were flying back from South Carolina a few weeks ago and I was already paranoid about flying the masks. I thought I was going to get evicted and kicked out. My kids are a lot like me, so I thought we were going to get deboarded somewhere in Chicago, have to rent a car. Glory to God, we made it both ways. But on the way back, on the long flight, you know, I, we have three kids. The youngest one was three months old at the time. Take my advice. Don't do it to yourself. Stay home with your three-month-old. Wait till they're a little older. But we were crazy, and we decided to do it. And so we're flying back, and my poor wife, she, you know, she's keeping the little one under control, and so I'm, I'm trying manage the two and i can't i don't know how to juggle i'm not like george i've never i have no hand-eye coordination so i have two kids i don't know where either of them are at any time and so i'm going through that and this this flight attendant she's just you know hey do this do that do that and i'm a stubborn proud proud man, and I'm, I'm repenting, in that. and I start to complain, and I start to boil, you know, what kind of customer service is this, is this America, this American Airlines, don't look like America, what's going on, and, and I'm starting to complain, and complain, and thank God, didn't say anything stupid, didn't do anything stupid, but I was complaining, I was angry, and I was like, well, you know, can't she see I have two kids, and I'm already a bad dad, give me, give me a break, and you know, we get home, and I even shared the story with a few people telling them what kind of bad customer service this is and one morning I was just sitting there praying I wasn't thinking about it and the Holy Spirit just asked me why do you think you deserve good customer service I'm serious and I sat there I'm like that's messed up because <laughs> I live in America that's why and he asked me he said why do you think you deserve good customer service and I started thinking about that and I started realizing you know I give myself so many excuses and if I if I erupt, it's because, well, I have two kids and because, well, they're running around and that's why I have a short fuse. Don't, no, 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 I'm a good person. It's just, you know, I had a hard day at work. No, 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 you don't know. I'm a good person. I just had, you know, an argument with my wife and that's why I'm so, no, 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 I'm a good person. But I don't give no discount to anybody else around me. But when you sit with the Holy Spirit and you allow the prayer and the word and you allow fellowship with people around you, just to show you who you are, you start to discover how little or how much you know God and what that does is it puts you on the level playing field and you start to yearn to know him more you start to recognize god i don't want to excuse the frustrations god i don't want to excuse the the short temper god i don't want to excuse my inability to hear somebody's difficult day out i don't want the excuse to not be able to bear bad customer service or somebody saying something wrong and i'm telling you this from a from a point of view of trying to grow in this but I genuinely sense the urgency for the church to rise up in our basics, and our reality, in our ability to serve our neighbors with the love that Jesus has for us, in our ability to allow somebody to just receive some mercy from me and for me not to snap and not to you know demand something from them because really they don't owe us nothing nobody owes us nothing because we got what we don't deserve we got the salvation of jesus christ and if that's all we get for the rest of our life we got more than we deserve so we can and we will find decency to treat other people with the love that jesus christ has for us and that is those good works they are the ones that bring glory to god and i just recognized that when the tough times come there are people who know their God and those are the people who intercede for those who don't love them those are the people that are willing to say no to their flesh and yes to serving somebody else those are the people that don't demand what's what's rightfully theirs and don't don't find me on the street thinking that I'm going to be perfect but if you do find me that where I'm not perfect feel free to tell me feel free to tell me and that's why we need one another is you need to feel free to tell me. You need to feel free to, we need to be in fellowship with one another. You know, this year we've been growing in in the life group industry and kind of talking more and more about that, but I genuinely have discovered such a vital part of my life where I need people around me to disclose who I really am. People around me to be around me so that I discover how much I know my God. So that I find myself on my knees more often so that I find myself in the word more often for the sake of allowing the word to do surgery on me, to do surgery on my heart. Can we all rise up? I genuinely believe that God has tremendous plans for each one of us, not just Church of Truth as a a whole, but I'm talking about every single individual here to go out and do great exploits because we know our God. Some of these exploits will look nothing more than just being kind to those who aren't kind to us. Some of these great exploits will look nothing more than offering good customer service when people don't really deserve it and they're acting like jerks. Some of these good exploits will just uh, display in the sense of us being quiet even when we're, wrong, when we're right and we're wrongfully wronged. God is looking for people who know him. This church is full of people who knows God and I'm here this morning just to remind us just to remind us to allow the basics to become the foundation that's unshakable just to remind us that prayer is not an option that the Word of God is a necessity that faith is a must and that fellowship is needed daily we need to see one another we need to grow together we need to serve somebody When's the last time that my life affected somebody next to me? That's a valid question, that's a valid thing to ask. And you know, it's done best in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit's there, He's always gentle. He doesn't disclose things in our life to destroy us. He discloses them with love, like a loving father that says, I love you so much that I can't allow this to remain in your life. I can't allow this to continue to poison you. I can't allow this to be okay in your life because you were called for greater things. You were called to know your God and to do great exploits. You were called to be somebody that is strong, somebody that will resist the enemy, somebody that will shine like the light, somebody like Daniel, like Shadrach, like Meshach, like Abednego, like Joshua, like Moses, like David, like all these different men and women, Deborah, Esther, all these different people who through the difficult times discovered their knowledge of their God. And we're not crumbled by the circumstances around them but instead rose up and brought glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords rose up and we're willing to be a completely different light in the midst of the darkness Church of Truth Portland Vancouver the Northwest that needs us to know who our God is can we just stretch our hands right now spend some time in just speaking to him he's here right now I sense his presence and he's a simple God in the sense Where he says that I've paved the throne room. Oh, sorry, I've paved the way to the throne room. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we know this way. Jesus, we thank you that we can come into your presence. We can stand before you. Jesus, I ask you that you would teach us to know who you are. Jesus, Jesus, teach us to know who you are. Jesus, we come in repentance. You can come out if you want to, just spend time. Sometimes it's better to come out up front because you're less distracted. He's here right now, we're just gonna spend some time in worship, spend some time in his presence, spend some time in hearing him. You know, when we pray, we oftentimes rush so fast to leave because we have plans during the day. But it's important to come to a place where you can wait for his response, where the conversation becomes an actual conversation instead of a mono, mono dialogue, where you have him responding and you can hear and react to what he's saying. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We're not in a rush, God. We're not in a rush to go, but we wanna know you. God, I pray for Church of Truth, for every single member here, Lord God, to recognize that it's not enough just to be a church attendant. It's not enough to attend a life group. It's not enough to preach. It's not enough to do any of these things unless we know you. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to know you more than we knew you yesterday. We want to know you more than we knew you the day before. Jesus, would you continue to reveal yourself? Would you continue to reveal your love to us? Would you continue to reveal your goodness to us? Jesus, we want to know you. We want your word to become truly that living, double-edged sword that has the full authority in our lives to change us, to correct us, to remind us, to show us what's wrong in us, to allow us to come to an altar of repentance, Lord God. Would you allow your word to grow the faith in our life? Would you allow your word to grow the gratitude in our life? as we walk through life, as we walk through our day-to-day things, as we go to work, as we do things with our kids, as we take them to school, Lord God, as we study together, Lord Jesus, would you allow your word to continue to edify us? Would you allow your word to speak truth into our life, to change us, to form us? God, we don't want to remain the way we were yesterday. Jesus, we want to make all things do the way you do. God, forgetting the past and to strive forward towards you, to not allow us to grow stale, to not allow us to grow cold in our first love. Would you remind us our first love? Would you remind us the place where you brought us from, Lord God? I pray, Jesus, that you would speak individually to every person here, that we would not find ourselves present in the body, but absent mentally, but that we would be sober when we pray, attentive when we pray, experiencing the pleasure of spending time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Would you change us, God? Would you change us? Holy Spirit, we thank you you care about each one of us so much you know us by name I thank you for your love your love for us you proved your love to us that while we were still sinners you died for us Christ we worship you We give you full authority and access into our life. We don't want hidden spots in our hearts, but we stand before you and as David said, let your light, let your word be the light to our feet. Let it be the lamp to our footsteps. God, correct us where we need correction. God, I desire your correction because it is better to fall into the hands of God than in the hands of man. I desire your correction in my life, God. I don't wanna go uncorrected, but I want to know my Lord. I want to know my God and therefore be strong and do great exploits for you. I want your name to be magnified in my life. God, I thank you for every person here that you are working with us individually. God, that you're a loving God, a God that loves and cares. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, Jesus.